Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. <laughs> You're listening to episode... Okay, you can stop. Episode oh, 35. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we, we thought we'd try the whistle intro. Uh, I'm Travis Williams, headed down the road here with my buddy, Travis Shire. Welcome to the show, Trav. Hey, Trav. How's it going? Good, man. Cruising, cruising through Ohio. Yeah. Uh, we're rolling. We are on day one of our elk hunt. Well, do you start? Do you start till you get there? Is it pre like well, day zero? Man, I don't know. I I think we're making an effort, so I think this is probably day one. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, day one. Day, day one. one. So yeah. we're heading toward our destination of Colorado, and so. I mean, they, well, say, they say you got to cover ground to find the elks. I mean, we're covering <laughs> we're covering the ground like, today, like five hundred some miles, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how much it is today, but no, we uh, left a little bit ago. Got out of church and uh, Trav picked me up and got the four wheelers and everything loaded in a truck and headed west and super excited. So thought we would just do a little bit of a podcast on the way and tell some different stories about how we started hunting together. But thought we'd maybe jump into. Uh, hunting but first for anybody that doesn't know you Trav we had you on the Father's Day episode but uh, give guys a quick introduction to who you are what you do where you're from all that good stuff all right I am Travis Shire and I grew up in southeastern Ohio and I still live in southeastern Ohio um, I uh, grew up on a farm I grew up hunting and uh, shot my first white-tailed deer when I was 11 and haven't looked back I've got into archery hunting pretty heavily for white-tailed deer and recently got into um, traditional hunting for whitetail deer. I I married to my wife Leah, and we have two dogs, Ebby and Sam. And um, just uh, I do remodeling for a living, so uh, stay busy with that a lot. So I try to get a few weeks off in the fall to do some hunting, though. Yeah, you, you used to work at a tractor supply there for a good while, and then yeah. decided to part ways and go yeah. start your own thing. So you're kind of out. Yeah, I was doing... I was store manager at tractor supply for nine years. And I got married and relocated, and I actually uh, enjoy the remodeling, you know, painting, flooring, uh, windows, doors, all that stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it's it's enjoyable for me. So Trav, uh, I always refer to Trav as just Trav, and, and people typically call me Travis, but it goes both ways. So if, I might just call you Shire, you know. That's I think fine. people can tell the difference in our voices. But right. anyway, you got like a real manly, deep yeah. voice. It's, it's the beard that makes the it's voice the deeper. It's the beard, yeah. It makes I've, the voice deeper. I've got a beard right now, too. I don't normally, but it's uh, it's like a, I look like a leprechaun, you yeah. know, with the red. red Fiery beard. red. But it's lucky, right? Leprechauns yeah. are lucky. Yeah, they are. So, yeah. So. We need some luck. So, uh... The way we met, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to kind of start at the beginning, and then we'll bring our way, bring ourselves forward to um, here, and we'll tell some stories in between. But I thought it was kind of an interesting story, uh, the way we met. We met at a High Valley College. It was called college back then. Now it's a High Valley University. It's a small Christian school. And uh, Trav, I'll let you tell that story about how that all went down. I thought it was kind of crazy. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So uh, I had a white sign on my door, my dorm door, where you can write in a race, dry race marker, and Travis wrote... I like your name, and uh, he, he was a few few doors down from me, and uh, anyway, so... It's kind um, of a fruity thing to write, really, yeah, I was, think about it. That was weird, but... <laughs> so I'm a little weird, too, but anyway, so we got to hanging out and talking and um, kind of hit it off right away, and anyway, um, a couple months into school, my, my dad came to pick me up, take me home for the weekend, and um, Travis was there when he picked me up, and... Uh, my dad got to asking Travis, he's like, where are you from? He's like, oh, around Woodsfield. And uh, my dad said, oh, I used to hunt there uh, with a gentleman uh, not far from there in Graysville. And uh, anyway, so uh, Travis is like, well, I'm from Graysville. 
and he's like, yeah, the guy's name was Randy Williams. And Travis like, well, that's my dad. My dad is Randy Williams. So it comes to find out there was a, a Doc, Doc Dressler um, they, they had in common, and they used to hunt with this that older gentleman. And uh, Randy Williams and my dad, Phil Shire, um, hunted together, I don't know, probably 20 years before we were born. Yeah, and keep in mind, like, we're, we grew up about an hour and maybe 15 minutes away from each other, so the fact that our dads had met and hunted together, that was kind of a cool... Yeah, we never we never met each other until college. Yeah. So. I wonder if they talked about naming their kids Travis. Do you think guys talk about that on coon hunts? Maybe. Maybe they did. I, I, we always like to think about that. Maybe back whenever they were coon hunting, they talked, that name came up somewhere along the way. I can see them sitting around the tailgate waiting for the dogs to treat. Hey, Randy be like, Phil, what do you think you'd ever name your kid if you had one? <laughs> my dad would be like, I was thinking Travis. And Randy would be like, yeah, me too. I think my dad would like it just because of Randy Travis. He yeah. was pretty popular at that That's time. True. So. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Anyway, so we got into college, and we started hunting together a little bit, and but <laughs> kind of started off with uh, just us doing stupid parody videos. We'd seen some hunting shows on TV, so we thought we'd kind of make our own. And so we did the... We never really thought we would actually kill anything on video. We were trying to do more for humor and to find the light-hearted side of hunting. And it, we never killed anything in our videos. We just kind of, you know, acted out the, what a hunting video would do. Yeah, we did a squirrel squirrel hunting how-to. And I remember you, my favorite part of that was you doing nut cracking. <laughs> so yes. Two, two nuts and you call out a squirrel and by nut cracking. And then that we was... had my dad in on one. We did ground hunting safari. Yep. Where we actually, we had, that was the first time we actually filmed the groundhog. Animal. groundhog. We filmed a real groundhog, actually. Yep. We didn't... We didn't shoot it, but we filmed it. I think we shot at it. Oh, no. maybe we didn't. No, I don't have seen that one. And then we did a road hunting one, which... Uh, Our buddy Ruben was in that. Yeah, Ruben. Ruben. Yep. Yep. So, fast forward a few years, and um, I moved down to where I live now. And uh, I lived in North Canton for a while, and then moved down to Southeast Ohio again. And uh, Trav called me one day, and season was coming in. And maybe it was... I think it was actually already... It was in, in for a while. It, it was, was like November, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around November. It was like on the rut, I think. Yeah. We, I didn't even. I wasn't even sure how great of an opportunity that rut was back then. Yeah, probably. I don't know, but we uh, there's this bottom, and uh, can kind of guess get, get into the story a little bit. There's this creek bottom that comes uh, sits down below this field. Out of this guy, uh, he's a church, lets me hunt his property. And so anyhow, um, his son-in-law uh, took a. Uh, old antenna yeah. <laughs> off the side of a house, put it up next to a giant oak tree, and then build a platform around that. And just, I mean, it's like the Hilton of all tree stands. You climb the antenna, get up in, and it's super nice. And so Trav came down and brought his, uh, brought your climber, didn't you? Yeah, brought my climber, and I clanked and clanked and clanked and got that thing <laughs> secured next to the old antenna stand. And uh, by golly, when the sun came up, we were ready to hunt deer that morning. It was a frosty November morning. You could see your breath. Yeah. I can remember that. So he was sitting off, like, to my right, to my right-hand shoulder, and there's a creek kind of coming in behind us, going off to the left, and I think about 9 o'clock, sometime around there, all yeah. of a sudden this doe came off the, the hill behind us, and uh, crossed the property line, came right across the creek, and came right in front, yeah. and so what was cool was I had my, I actually had my iPad, a full-size iPad <laughs> filming, <laughs> and then Trav was filming behind me. And uh, this doe came out and stopped broadside, and I stood up. Probably 15 yards. Yeah, 15, 20 yards. Yeah. And I pulled up, and I, but what's funny about the footage is I stood up right in front of Trav, yeah. and uh, this doe stops there. So and I have to do an acrobatic lean out around <laughs> Trav, so it's amazing she didn't see us. Yeah, so she's kind of looking, it seems like, and Trav gets the camera out just in time, 
and I ended up shooting her. I shot her high. I always had first few deer that I shot with a compound bow. I, I had a bad habit of spining them, and so she dropped, and so I had to get, get down real quick and put another shot on her. But uh, Trav, Trav's first words. Uh, yeah, so like you shoot, and I'm like, I got that on video. I got the kill. I got the shot on video. <laughs> Super professional, you know. I don't yeah. know if the Drury's or uh, Realtree will ever use that or not. <laughs> but yeah, that was. I was just shocked that we actually got a kill on camera. Yeah, and, uh, and it, I mean it was exciting. It was really just the way it was just perfect the way it all worked out, and the fact that you got that. And uh, you know we had her right there. There was no tracking or trailing. She died right there, and so that was kind of the beginning for us. And then uh, we had a buddy, uh, Joey, who had a, yeah. a podcast, or not a podcast, a, a blog. Yeah. And so you guys might have heard this part of the story before, but he, we kind of joined forces with yeah. Joey, and that's where Shedding Line Outdoors came from. And from there, yeah. it's just been a... We, yeah, basically, we decided, it was on my wedding day, actually, we were all together, the groomsmen yeah. were, and we said, we, we want to try to use our hunting passion in order to share the gospel and, and to show people the good news. So that's, that's where Shedding Light was born. Yeah. And so that's led us all the way up to today. Um, talk a little bit about the elk hunt. Then I want to go back and get some yeah. of your, Trav, you've had some really good opportunities on some bucks. Yeah. So we'll kind of talk about elk. Um, but we don't have a lot of elk stories yet. You yeah. know, you guys have heard my 2016 hunt. So we're, we're in the midst of our hunt right now. So yeah. how did uh, how did this all get started? Do you remember, Trav, like us talking about elk? Let's see. So uh, Trav went on a hunt, 2016 um, rifle hunt. And um, didn't get an elk, but from that point on, point on, uh, he was determined to hear an elk bugle to actually go doing the rut and actually be involved in calling. Yeah. So we actually started planning this trip. We we have some three other friends that are going to be joining us on the hunt, and they've been to Colorado before, had some success in this unit, and they said we ought to you ought to come with us. So um, I think it was in 2016 we planned yeah. for the 2019 hunt. Yeah, you were you were supposed to originally go with me on yes. the 2016 hunt, but just couldn't get excited about shooting a rifle. That's true. And so, you know, that didn't work out and that was fine. I mean, I went and it was a good time, but I, I was the same way. Like, after I went, I was like, man, I really want to get into the calling game and the calling game happens uh, with a bow in your hand. Yeah. And so, you were definitely in. Vehicle stopped on shoulder ahead. Oh, I got my there's a vehicle stopped on the shoulder ahead. Anyway, uh, we kept going, and um, yeah. So anyhow, yeah. The it's kind of for me. This whole experience is like talking about going to an amusement park and riding a roller coaster. So in 2016, we started talking about the elk hunt, um, but here we sit today. We're strapped to the roller coaster, and we're going up the hill. And there's a different feeling than there was three years ago talking about it. You know, you got the butterflies. You're a little bit nervous. You're like. I mean, here we go, and it's just a, a great feeling to finally see this thing come to a head and yeah. uh, head out there. Yeah, I, I felt that way too. I was super excited up until this week, and then this week, it's just kind of this feeling like, oh man, it's it's actually real, it's actually happening, and you know, just that excitement about it. Um, I want to, just for a minute, we'll, we'll get into some whitetail stories in a minute, but I, I thought it might be good for us, you know, we're rookies, um, absolute rookies in, in the pure sense of the word. I've been out once, but that... I mean, I count it. There were some things I learned from it, some things that I know this time, but I haven't been during archery season, so I'm brand new to that. But this, what I want to talk about for a minute, Trav, is for the guys that have never gone, but they've always dreamed about it. Where would, where, where did you start? What's your recommendations? Like, how, what, okay. what can we teach somebody that maybe they've never, they want to do this, they okay. want to go on their first trip? Okay, well, I would say 
we had a, a head start by knowing some guys that have been there before. So if you know anybody that's been there and they're willing to take you under their wing and they have a location that they're familiar with, I would try to go that route because it always helps to have a little bit of knowledge about the area you're going to. But I would say the most important part is to just uh, pick a spot um, and pick a unit that you want to go to and then learn what you want to about that unit. But what I was going to say to how to pick the unit, there's different ways you can look at kill reports, harvest reports, you can look at hunter numbers, you can look at trophy reports, there's some ways to find that out there. But um, whatever unit you decide on, there's a lot of ways to decide that. Pick a unit and then from there I'd get that downloaded, downloaded on Ornex. I would then study the Ornex map, you can look up ways to e-scout. Um, another thing that really was helpful, I've called the uh, the local biologist, wildlife biologist out there and talked to her. Trav talked to her once, I've talked to her twice. You can actually, what I found, you can run your scouting, e-scouting by them and say, hey, I'm thinking about this area, what can you tell me? Is there maybe elk in this field at some point? Um, you know, and they're actually, they, those biologists want to fill their tags because they're trying to manage the herd. So they're going to help point you in the right direction. They'll tell you about what the weather climate's like, what where the elk tend to gravitate towards in cooler temperatures or for warmer temperatures. A lot of information you can find there. Um, and once you find that information, I think your most important part is to start, I don't know, I'd say probably six, six months early and get a good exercise program down. Um, I would say if you had a group of guys you could do a group chat with is what we did yeah. and actually hold each other accountable because honestly if I didn't have the group that we had chatting and holding each other accountable I may not be uh, in the shape that I am now not in the best shape ever but probably the best shape of my life actually yeah and uh, yeah that started with Eric um, our buddy Eric who's who we're going with and his dad and his dad's buddy they're the ones that have been going out and uh, Eric asked me a few months ago, you know, how's, how's the training going? And I, I really hadn't started yet. I'd kind of done a little bit here and there, but nothing major. And I told him that, and he's like, okay. And he didn't say anything else. And the next yeah. day, all of a sudden, I'm included in a text thread he, with you. He's like, 25 air squats today. Yeah, 25 air squats. I'm like, okay, I can do that. 25 air squats isn't bad. And then from there, man, it just it went downhill fast. Yeah, you, you said, that's not too bad. And he's like, well, you'll hate me come June. Yeah, so, yeah. Or July, come July. Yeah. And, and we did. There was He gave us some really good challenges and got – and he just mixed it up. I think what was kind of cool is we actually didn't know what was happening until the day of. So yeah. you didn't, you know, it wasn't like he'd give you a full week. It'd be like, all right, today. So it was always changing. You never knew what you were going to get. Yeah. But uh, my recommendation is, one, learn about, like, for me, it's learning what states you want to go to and learning about preference points. Um you know, the, the first time I went was just an over-the-counter, and over-the-counter, that means you just you have your Ohio license or whatever license you have, you show up. As long as you have a valid uh, hunter safety card or whatever, you just go and pick up a tag for 640 bucks, I think it is, in Colorado, 660 maybe. Yeah. And you get a, a bull tag during rifle season, you go. And there are some archery units too, but I haven't looked into that for over-the-counter. But these guys that we've been going with, they go to a draw unit. And if you have no clue what that means, it's pretty simple. Every year, what you do is you can put in for what's called a preference point. And uh, Colorado has changed it three times in the last, like, four years how you do that. It used to be you had to send in, like, the whole amount for an entire tag, so, like, $660. And then a few months later, they'd send you back $620, so they'd keep, like, 40 of it uh, for a preference point. You'd have one preference point. Now... Um, they've changed that so that you just have to buy a small game license. Uh, they added that on this year, so the price went up. And so all said and done, basically you get a small game license in order to get your preference point, and it charges you $109. And so 
didn't used to be that expensive. But anyway, uh, you start stacking up points, and the more points you have, the higher odds you have of getting drawn for a draw unit. And so we had three points going into this this year, and the unit that we're going to, uh, that was enough to get us drawn, to get everybody drawn for what we wanted to. And so preference points, you know, there's a thing called point creep, and there's a lot to look up. I'd encourage you just to kind of look up some guys and maybe know, know, know more than what we do. But if you want to, what we're excited about is this unit. There's no high fences. There's no guides. We're still doing it all ourselves. But because it's a draw unit, there are way less people, way less crowds, way less people to bump into. Because you figure uh, we've got, the, we'll be there on Tuesday, uh, the, what is the, today, the 10th? Uh, the 10th, yeah. We're going to hunt the, the, Tuesday the 10th, and then by Saturday, that's whenever muzzleloader season comes in across the state. And so... That, that doubles the amount of hunters that's going to be there. So if you're going to an over-the-counter, it can be done. It definitely is a great option. I would still, still tell you to go. But if you're able, if, you don't, if, you, if you're like us, you can't go every year, you got to save up your money, you might as well stack up some preference points each year if you can set aside a little bit of money each paycheck and uh, try and get a draw unit because your, your odds are so much higher in these units. So Yeah. I mean, I, and I think, too, now... I've never called an elk in in my entire life. I've never even, I've never even heard a elk bugle. So that's why I'm coming out here to get to get this experience. But yeah. there are educational things out there too to help you with your elk knowledge and to help you with uh, your calling. Uh, I, one thing we used uh, to get a little bit more familiar with it is uh, the elk nut, Paul Medell. Uh, we've I've listened to every one of his podcasts multiple times. I have the elk nut app and. I really am intrigued and have tried to soak up all the knowledge I can from him. There's other guys out there too, numerous guys you can learn from, but yeah. it's worth checking them out so you can get a little bit of elk knowledge before you actually get there. Yeah, and that's I think that's what's huge is sometimes it's so overwhelming. There's just so much information. Who do you trust? Who do you, you know, there's there's guys out there trying to sell stuff. There's guys that have, you know, there's there's more to the story. Um, I think what we found is Paul, we really like his stuff. He seems like a down-to-earth guy, and he's got a lot of years of history, a lot of success. Uh, there's the Born and Raised guys, those videos. You can learn things from watching their videos. There's Corey Jacobson has Elk 101, which is an online course. I took it, and uh, it's not like a test or anything. It's just a bunch of information, and I thought it was really helpful. It just kind of gives you, for a guy, especially a guy from Ohio that's never been anywhere close to hunting elk other than you know 2016 even yeah. then well, going through that material there is so much stuff that I wish <laughs> that I would have known uh, before my 2016 hunt uh, going into that so I think the big thing is is to research and don't just go in just thinking that it's going to be like it is on TV we're fully aware that this is going to be a lot of work most yeah. likely um, we've learned how to try and scout out areas and uh, we have, I don't know, probably 10 to 15 waypoints saved on Onyx on our map. So we've also looked at Google Earth and tried to see how the... Google Earth has a feature where you can really kind of flip the Earth a little bit on its side and you kind of see what the terrain might actually be like. It kind of actually gives you a really good 3D perspective. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good point, too. Uh, when you're scouting, to use three things, the actual paper map, Onyx, and... Also, Google Earth, where you can yeah. get a 3D perspective. That paper map thing is huge, too. Um, 
don't want to skirt over that. We talked. We were looking at Onyx and Google for a long time, and then I ordered the. I looked up for our unit, a paper map, and this thing is a huge paper map. Man, that opened up my eyes to kind of yeah. see the whole picture of what can, the unit looks like. Because you can only see a snap snapshot of the uh, unit zoomed in on Onyx, but you can lay out basically a zoomed in picture of the entire unit with this paper map, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So. Um, Trying to think is anything else. I mean, the big thing is obviously know your weapon too. I mean, um, know what you can shoot and those kind of things. Um, yeah, I'm taking a recurve and I practice at 40 honestly all summer. And I I could if you need if I came down to it I could I could shoot an elk at 40, but I'm going to limit myself to 30 yards um, just because I know that's 100 percent solidified if I can execute my mental control. <laughs> yeah. Because mental control is a big part of archery. But we'll see what happens whenever he's bugling in your face. Whenever he's bugling <laughs> in my face, I, we'll see what happens. But um, anyway, so, you know, be realistic with your ethical range. I mean, if you're practicing at 80 yards all summer, you might want to think about maybe limiting yourself to 60 yards so you're 100% certain that you can make that shot and you're not taking an uh, animal, trying to take an animal's life at your very max range, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last thing I think I would kind of go back to, and then I want to talk a little bit about just kind of like your yeah. expectations and goals for our actual hunt here. Okay. Um, uh, a lot of guys say that they could never do this or they always dream of doing this. And, and I will say that I, you know, uh, absolutely blessed. Lord's blessed me with a good job. My wife has a good job and, and all that. But I think, you know, this has been a three-year-in-the-making kind of thing. Um, so I'd encourage guys try it look at start researching start looking you, you never know the thing that's the saddest thing to me is people say oh that's my dream well a dream that you never put a dime toward or a dream that you never put an effort toward just remains a dream you're not going to win an elk hunt most likely yeah. so, so start start saving and maybe it's something that you can't do you know you put back 25 bucks a month or you know if you, if you can do 50 bucks well, a month and do that for a few years for my for myself personally i'm self-employed so i do not get paid vacation um, what I've done in order to get these two weeks off, um, instead of working 40 hours a week, I've worked a lot of 50 and 60 hour weeks here this past summer in order to take those extra hours and put in a savings account in order to have this paid time off. So there's ways there's ways to, to, yeah. to make it work if you, if you really want to, I think. Yeah, and I, and I get it. Not everybody gets like two weeks vacation or whatever. Um, and trying to manage that's a difficult thing too. Uh, also, time away from family, that's probably the biggest one for yeah. me, honestly, is just my wife is not a hunter, and so she's got two kids at home that she's watching right now. That's that's a lot of work, so I've tried to make that as easy as possible for her. We've had a lot of conversations about it, but I uh, did a lot of honeydews the past couple months just to try and make her life easier. I lined up the babysitters and all of that, and so... Um, you know, so we're at a good spot. But anyway, I just encourage guys, if, if you think, oh, I could never do that or I'd love to do that, you know, um, maybe make some plans, reach out to us, uh, send us an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. I'd be happy to help you. Honestly, we're rookies. We don't know that much, but we do know how to at least we're on the road headed to Colorado. We can at least so. get ourselves to Colorado <laughs> and then hopefully and into a cabin, you know. Yeah, so. into a cabin. And uh, that's the other thing. We're staying at some cabins out here, so you got to decide on what kind of hunt you want. But we're going to do cabins. There will be a couple nights where we plan to actually take our um, truck back in a good ways, maybe four-wheelers back in and do a drop camp. But, uh, Trav, what's your expectation for this hunt? What are you hoping happens? What man, are you, what's your goals? Man, if I were to shoot a cow and to bring it home, I would just be tickled to death. I, I think I'd still be smiling, I don't know, a year from now from that, yeah. from that, just bringing a cow home, you know? Yeah. And so a bull, you can only imagine what that would be like. There'd probably be, I'd probably, 
I don't even know what to say, but you might anyway, hyperventilate. I might hyperventilate, yeah. <laughs> but but here's the real deal though. If I if I get out here and I can hear an elk bugle, if I can actually see an elk while we're hunting, um, if I can get into some sign, you know, where you say you can smell them, you know, if I can get into that, um, see the country that we're going to be in is just absolutely. I'm sure it's going to be breathtaking. Uh, God's creation is going to speak to us. I'm certain, yeah. and um, I just I think that's that's a success. And I'll be honest with you, if I just go out here and hike in the Colorado Rocky Mountains for two weeks, I think it's going to be it's going to be fun and it's going yeah. to be worth worth the drive. So I can, I agree, and I'm the same way. I'm a uh, I'm a little torn. Like I um, since I'm shooting a compound, I can shoot a little bit further, and I I really feel like we've learned a lot. We've so much information into our heads I'm really would really like to get a bull if I can um, but I, I don't know I, it just gonna depend on what we see the first couple days if we see like a ton of cows and I feel like maybe we can do that then I might pass I'm kind of in that spot I know they always say don't pass on the first day what you chewed on the last but uh, I, I kind of disagree with that it, to me it's I, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna enjoy my hunt and my hunt is to try and get a bull in Trav is a great caller from what I can tell <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's another tip hold on another tip so if you're listening to all these guys explaining how to to call go on and Google real elk sounds I think another guy in your podcast mentioned this last week yep. but go on and Google real elk sounds actually listen to the elk because oh my goodness there's not a perfect bugle out there. They all sound different. And if you just listen to the elk, you'll actually feel better about your own calling. Yeah, that's good. I feel like travel is going to be do great at that. We've learned some different... We have a bunch of techniques up our sleeve, thanks to Paul Medell, that we're, we're ready to employ. So I, I really feel confident that if we can get into the game, I, I stand a chance of getting a bull. And legal bull in Colorado for what we've got is a 4x4, four four, at least four on one side, or a five-inch brow tie. So, and that, that to me, if, if he's got that, uh, I don't care how big he is. He can be 100 pounds and I'm going to shoot. So, uh, he's, if it's brown, it's, he's down. So, that's kind of where I'm at. By the After three or four days, I might change that. That might become a, uh, no, the next cow I see is, is, is going to get it. And then I probably won't see one, and I'll yeah. have to tell that story on the way home. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to risk that, I think. So, we'll see. Um, but, anyway, that's... That's our elk hunt in a nutshell. Thought we'd kind of give you guys a little bit of info on that. On the way home, hopefully, if we're awake enough and not completely out of it, we'll try and do a follow-up to this. But I did want to get into just a few stories here, Trav, kind of hopping yeah. into whitetail. That season's coming up. I mean, yeah. what's been kind of cool about elk hunting is it's kept our minds off of yeah. uh, the whitetail, but that's just on the horizon I get, here. I get so. really impatient during September waiting for whitetail season to open. And with this elk, this is uh, elk trip's going to pacify me for that. So, yeah, yeah. So let's let's jump into it a little bit here. Um, you've had some success uh, getting some different bucks, and uh, I can think of a, a handful of stories that come to mind for me. But uh, any that kind of stand well, out to you? Well, since we're talking about calling, uh, I can tell you about the biggest buck I shot. And he was 100% called in. I wouldn't have shot this buck without calling. If you want me to tell that story? Yeah. Okay. So. So this would have been 2009. It was November 9th, 2009. It was um, a sunny day. I'd say highs around 50. Crisp, really crisp, dry leaves, crunchy as you walked in. And uh, we were walking in back to this ridge behind a farm pond that was kind of secluded. Hadn't hunted this part of the farm very much at all. Uh, We get in there. 
we have an idea where we want to set up. That's uh, my brother-in-law's with me actually, and uh, and we're going to be sitting by the by the same tree. We're going to we set up. There's actually some rubs in here, and you can just kind of tell there's a couple runs that the deer have been using. So we set up off those runs, and uh, we sat there. Um, and here's another thing: we jumped deer going in. There were does bedded right there. We kicked them out. So. Uh, this is encouraging if you ever jump deer out uh, when you're going in don't give up the hunt's not over so anyway we sit there it's about I'd say three o'clock in the afternoon not much is going on and uh, we brought some rattling antlers so uh, Dave and I uh, Dave just crashed these antlers together with all of his might he uh, Dave's your brother Dave's, oh yeah Dave's my brother-in-law Dave yep Dave's my brother-in-law yep crashed these antlers together with all of his might and uh, rattled for I don't know a good minute then, then what we did, actually, I stood up and I broke some branches. I actually cracked some branches. I kicked my leaf, feet in the leaves. I, uh, we took the antlers and rubbed them on the tree. We made all kinds of noise up in here, like hardcore battle going on. And uh, so we sit back down against the trees, facing one way, I'm facing the other. Man, it wasn't even a minute later. Not even a minute later, I look up and I see this white rack in the sunlight listening through the sunlight headed on a beeline right to me and uh he was marching in like so i saw him at 70 yards and he was within 20 yards like right on top of us like that he was coming in looking for the fight and uh i was so we're sitting on the ground i have a crossbow and i have to swing to the right a little bit to get to the buck because he's just to my right a little bit so i swing to the right and he sees me looks at me and i and I guarantee you that he was not thinking there was a human there. He actually looked irritated that I was there and actually kind of was very, like, like irritated that I was there. So I got the crosshairs on him. He was quartering to me, and I shot him right uh, through the front shoulder, and then it came out um, through his ribs. And um, he, this buck actually, uh, he ran about, I don't know, 50 yards off, and he, he humped up, um, and I could actually see blood pouring out of his mouth. And we give him about 15 minutes and went down there and we actually jumped this buck uh, with blood pouring out of his mouth huh. and uh, we we backed out and then we came back the next morning he went about another 75 yards and he, he crashed there he, he doesn't die too long after we left him but anyway so we got that buck he was uh, he's about 130 inch nine point and it's my biggest buck to date and I'm and here's the kicker too after I shot that buck, we turned around and there was another smaller buck actually coming in from the other direction to investigate the noise. And uh, I really think it's because we sold it. I don't. I don't think um, just rattling antlers alone may not have done it that day. We abs absolutely sold the whole fact that there were deer in there, um, and he just they came in. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times when I think of rattling, if you've ever actually witnessed that before. It is a racket. Like, I mean, we're talking like rut, not like not early season where they're just kind of sparring. tickling and sparling. Like, if these bucks are fighting each other, man, they make a ton of noise. They're breaking trees, mowing yeah. the stuff down. Yeah. yeah. So I think getting aggressive is a good idea. I think there was actually a time you and I did that once. You you climbed down out of the and did some. Uh, I don't yeah. think it. I don't think we got anything stirred up that day. But I, I can tell you, you want another story where I called a buck in by accident. This is the one where you you burped. Well, no, that's a different one. That's a different one. <laughs> okay, yeah. I can, tell you, I can tell you this this story. I killed a buck on this hunt, but not the one I called in. Yeah. But, so, you want me to tell it to you? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so well, I was I mean, we, We've got, what, another right. 20 hours here, 20 so hours. Uh, we've got time. <laughs> so, so after I killed this, this nine point, the next year, I uh, actually hung a stand in the same tree we were sitting by, and it was on a ridge, and I could see a valley about 125 yards away. 
and I, I sat up there for a couple days and I could see deer crossing in this valley below me regularly just wearing this trail out about 125 yards away so I get out of my stand in the middle of the day drag the whole tree stand down there set it up right right on this run in the valley and uh, I come in the a couple days later I come in to hunt that stand and I get up in the tree and I realize I forgot to cut it there's a there's a actually a decent sized tree probably three inches in diameter it's totally blocking one whole shooting lane and uh, so I this is like just coming up on it's just coming up on the crack of daylight and you can kind of see silhouettes and stuff and I actually climb out of my tree get my saw I saw this tree down push it over it cracks crashes and it uh, falls to the ground and I climb back up in the tree before I could get all the way in get my safety harness hooked up I had a buck come running in and it was 15 yards from my tree but it was too dark to shoot I could tell it was a buck I could tell he came to my call and uh, but I, I just couldn't see my pins well enough so anyway so I called that I'm sure that's what it was that tree I cut down crashing and banging down brought that buck in so anyway I sit there that morning and I'd say about I don't know 8 30 or 9 uh, about a hundred and ten inch eight point came by and I shot him at ten yards out of that tree so that was kind of an interesting thing yeah that I that I feel like the racket in the woods sometimes bring deer in yeah I don't know it's it's uh you know definitely during the rut time and all that i mean they're not quiet at all so yeah yeah that's good that's one thing we've learned about elk too you don't have to tiptoe through the woods because an elk walking makes a lot they're used to a lot of noise yeah a lot of if if they hear tiptoeing they think it's uh, a predator so we'll test that theory we'll see if it works or not i'll take off running at an elk and make much noise here in two weeks we might tell you not to do it but yeah yeah we'll be like hey here's the things that we thought we knew but (laughs) now we we know better but uh we've got it i mean i brought it up Talk, you got to talk about the time that you used your belch grunt noise and got a. Oh, got a yeah. That way. So here's a story. This is the first year I was hunting with the recurve, and uh, I was sitting in a stand. Actually, it was the same exact stand I just shot that 110 H point, 8 point out of. 110 oh, okay. H 8 point. Same stand. I'm sitting there. It's an evening hunt, and you know, it's getting down to that last 15 minutes of light where you're like, man, something should be happening. And I, I hear heavy footsteps. I'm like, man, there's a buck walking. So there he is. I can see him. He's walking. He's skirting my stand. I think he, I think he knew that that was a danger area, that stand, for some reason. Maybe I don't know. But he was skirting me about 40 yards out. And I, I'm i like, oh, man, I don't have a grunt call. He's not going to come by my stand. So uh, I, I give him a couple of burps like this. I did that a few times. That buck turned him. So I'd have to drink a Diet Coke or something in order to get that, that, that buck, type of... Yeah. <laughs> That, that buck turned on a beeline and walked to the base of my tree, and I missed him at five yards with my recurve. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Can you believe it? And uh, But no, 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 no. you got to buy that really expensive grunt call that costs $50 online in order to call him in, Trav. It's right. got to be that expensive one, right? Man, I, I, think, I think it was the, the, the can of pop I drank that day, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. You and I, we've had a few hunts together where we've had success since then. Um, yeah trying to think of a few of those uh i think the time we were in the blind we tried the one two three shoot that one was yeah. just kind of it was gun season end of the muzzler. day we got in uh, muzzler yeah right yeah muzzler yeah we were both in the blind kind of freezing to death if i recall yeah. and uh right at last light two two deer came in to yeah. the corn pile in front of us 15 yards away 15 yards and we tried the one two three shoot and something went haywire on that that's I, okay i probably i probably 
drug my feet a little bit, and I think you shot quicker, but I don't know if it was your fault. Or I think my... I shot on two. I yeah. think is what it was. I, anyway, I got a little excited. My, my deer wasn't there when I shot, so <laughs> it had already left, but Travis got his. He smoked it. So. Yeah. And then, um, let's see, have I filmed you getting one yet? Yeah, he filmed that uh, opening day of shotgun season. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah, I, I, dropped, about that. I dropped that dough, actually. We we were setting up in a pretty good spot that morning, and right, I don't know, was it 7.30, right after shooting light? Yep. We had a whole herd of does come through, and I shot her and dropped her. Uh, we got that on video. That's on our uh, that's on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I forgot about that one. That was just kind of a, I don't know, we sat there. That was another cold morning. It was super cold yeah. a lot of times when you and I are hunting. The challenge is we, like, we love hunting together, but we found that sometimes it's just, you know, we've gotten pretty good at self-filming, so... With Shedding Light Outdoors, there's not very many of us. I mean, there's th- three guys. We have a couple contributors. Now yeah. we didn't. We didn't yeah. last year, and so you know we we don't hunt nearly as much as what we used to. We used to spend a lot. You know, opening morning we were yeah. always uh, well. We were usually at a gas station because you had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, uh, usually <laughs> drink too much coffee opening morning. But yeah, we were gung ho to get the opening morning. You know, and I. <laughs> kind of learning it's better sometimes to sleep in opening morning and go out that evening or yeah. even maybe wait for a first cold front you know just to go out the second week of october when it gets cold but yeah, it's, it's hard to get so excited to go though um, i think about uh, there's another one there uh you filmed me it was my first not spine uh so i had yeah. spine probably oh, the first yeah. four deer that i shot with a compound the and one you bumped the camera arm on yes but yeah, I, yeah I messed up the, the shot so right, yeah uh, basically, this this property is a buddy of Joey. He was letting us hunt, yeah. and there was this big corn. That was a soy, soybeans, soybeans that year. Yeah, yep. soybeans that year. And on the other side of the soybean field is this huge ravine that goes down the woods and comes up. And we were on the far side of the ravine. And uh, uh, let's see, it was. I think we'd seen some deer out in the field, and they yeah. ran into the woods. I don't know if stuff was catching our scent or what. Some, something spooked actually but, ran into the woods. Yeah, yeah, towards us. And a little bit later, they were coming down, and you had your recurve, and so I was hoping something would come right down to you, but because it, it was following this ravine, kind of the ridge of the ravine down uh, to our right. Like if you were to look at the area, you would think a deer is going to walk right ten yards from us. Yeah. But instead, these deer get to about thirty yards, and they bail into this super steep ravine. And they go clear down in, and they're going back up to the field, but we didn't think it was where they were going to. Anyhow, kind of hard to picture, but these deer go down, and the first two pass, it was a mom and a fawn, and then there was a, a, a doe following behind him. So I pulled up, and a little backstory to this, like I said, I had spined my deer, and I was so frustrated with how I had done that. I mean, it's a great way to find the deer, yeah. but not, not the most ethical thing that you want to do. You want to kill them on the first shot. And so I had really practiced that season, getting up in the stand and shooting, at elevation because what was happening was my arrow was kicking up a little bit with that with that bow that I had that I didn't have the your, speed that's probably your first most dedicated year practice I'd yeah say. oh yeah. yeah I spent a lot of time in the stand practicing and, and so that deer she was clear down in the bottom of this ravine 30 yards I had my lighted knocks on pulled up the camera arm and as I drew back my bow I bumped the camera arm and the camera just you can see the doe and all of a sudden it just swings out of view so you can hear this this uh shot. <laughs> just smashes shot. through her ribs yeah, yeah I smacked her 30 yards and that was the first time I'd experienced one going 40 yards and just crashing, and I could hear a crash. Yeah. And uh, you almost got a, I think a spike or something. Yeah, there was a spike came that, in but later, but he avoided us and took that trail farther up too. But, yeah. Yep. So that's uh, that was kind of the first. I've had a lot of good shots since then. It's been yeah. good, but but that was fun. I, it's just I tell you what, I, I part of what's fun about this trip is one being with it, being with you on it, and going on this. Um, we're, we're getting out to Colorado in like about three days before the other guys get there. So, um, 
you know, I think we'll get to spend some yep. time together, and then yep. those guys will get there, and that'll be a nice mix-up. But I think it's important if you can have find some hunting. I think hunting buddies. That's a that's a big thing to have people that you can go with, and there's a lot of places where you can find them. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it's hard to find a good hunting partner. Let's just say a, that there's a lot of deer, days deer hunting that the lunch or the the mid morning breakfast at Denny's or the local diner is actually just as enjoyable, if not more enjoyable, than the hunt was that morning. Yeah. So I remember some turkey hunts with you going afterwards. <laughs> if we had success, we'd go to the Redwood, which Celebrate. is a local. That's the celebratory Redwood uh, breakfast, you know. So. Yeah. That's always fun. So, yep. well, Trav, any other stories pop out? We've told a few, but we can always come back and tell some more on the way back home. Man, I can't. I mean, there's a lot of them, but I, I think we've, we've kind of saturated their ears for a little bit. So. All right. Well, let me ask you one more question. We'll take a turn on this one. Okay. Um, what, uh, what is this uh, elk hunting trip? You know, the preparation for it. What has it taught you about faith? Anything kind of come to mind? Uh, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I didn't, okay. But. Anything just kind of comes to your mind as you think about maybe what you've learned about uh, yeah. Word of God or something like that? I yeah, don't know. I can tell you. Here's what, I, here's what I do think comes to my mind is a lot of times those little workouts seemed irrelevant to me. They seemed like the little workouts didn't matter. So say I go back to June 23rd, and the day I went, the day I went jogging that day, I seemed so little and minute and small that it doesn't even matter. And, uh, but when you string those, I don't know, 60, 80 workouts together over several months, then you get to the end of the, the several month period, you have a giant big picture right there that you feel really good about. You, you can tell that you're in the best shape of your life. And that's what God does. He takes all those little moments. And sometimes we don't even see the little moments just behind the scene. And then later in life, the big picture comes through and we can see what was going on behind the scenes all at once. Oh man, I did not expect that. Have you been like thinking about that? That no, was deep, man. it just came to me, man. Wow. Just came. No, well, I, here's what I have been thinking about: is how annoying the little workouts were. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, not that again, yeah. Eric. Oh, not the wind sprints, man. Yeah. So. No, that's solid, dude. I think um, so often we we focus on the big moments in life. You know, those are the things that you kind of remember that stand out. But it's those little things that yeah. that add up. And so I think that's that's a really good point. So saying yes to God and the little things yeah. might help you for the big things. That's, yeah, might be a lesson there. Yep, yeah. and not giving up either. One thing too, everybody we were listening to football game just a minute ago. But uh, when you, Tom Brady, people like to hate him, but he's really good. But what Tom Brady does different than a lot of people is he doesn't know that he's been beaten. He never gives up. He never gives up. When you if you miss a deer, if you shoot over its back, if you go if you don't give up, then you're eventually going to connect. You know. Yeah. And I think not giving up is uh, an aspect I may have learned over this too. Absolutely. I'm hoping that Tom Brady gives up tonight when he plays my Steelers, but we'll yeah. we'll find out. So. Yeah, he's tough. He's solid, man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that's great. Well, guys, uh, uh, really appreciate you listening. Like I said, we'll keep you updated. If you want to follow us on Shedding Light Outdoors uh, on the Facebook page or on Instagram, I will in- I will update as we go. This is really, <laughs> we're both kind of resolved that we want to shoot an elk, and if we get it on video, great. If we don't, uh, we'll tell you about it because yeah. that's that's our number one we'll thing. Take, we'll take pictures. <laughs> yeah, our sponsors, uh, which right now is a can of V8 Energy, and you're drinking a uh, 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 Smart Water. Smart Water. Those are our current spotters. They're not going to drop us if we don't nah. get an elk on film so we'll, they're uh, gonna let me keep drinking smart water yeah, gonna, <laughs> even, if we, even if we don't I'll get keep, it on i'll keep paying for my v8s and it'll be good but thank you guys so much for listening Trav, you want to cue the whistle and remember to shed the light i think you're doing mayberry that might be mayberry <laughs>
I don't know.